does. This, it's the, the opposite of purpose is wandering aimlessly, not knowing where I'm going or why I'm going there. Okay, good, good. Okay, next question is, what are some things that keep us from living with purpose? What are some things that keep us from living from, with purpose? Or to, to what Keith had said, the, the opposite, what are some things that cause us to wander aimlessly? Kelly? Fear? Laziness. Yes. Yes, that's one as well. What else? What are some things that keep us from, from acting and living in purpose? Bad habits? Yep. Ignorance, yes, not knowing. Anything else that you can think of? You can say mainstream media. Yeah. Sometimes those things that we see on TV when we're watching the news, regardless of what news channel you watch, their their purpose is to keep you watching, so they they draw you in with often things that are somewhat bleak and depressing. Which actually leads into one of the things I had on my notes, which was grief, hardship, and hurt. And all these things that we've talked about, probably with the exception of mainstream media, is what the disciples were facing on that Easter Sunday morning. And while it may not have been mainstream media, it would have been the talk in the town of, of this Jesus who, was, Jesus who was believed to be the Messiah, this Jesus who, who said He was God, who prophesied, who was a teacher, all of a sudden is dead. And, and those who would have thought that he was the Messiah would have been confused. Because the Messiah, as they pictured it, was this man who was going to come down and he was going to free all of Israel, all of the Jews, from the persecution and the oppression that they were facing in their nation. He was going to establish them as his own people. He was going to, to bring hope and to bring life he was going to be a warrior. And now he was dead. The confusion, the grief, the hurt, it had to have them wondering as the apostles who had followed him for those years, what's next? What's supposed to happen? Where do I go from here? As I said, we've been talking about living with purpose. And we've been looking at the life of Nehemiah. And as we've looked at the life of Nehemiah, we see that God used Nehemiah right where he was at. Nehemiah was a cupbearer of the king, and God went and used him right where he was at. We see as we look at others in Scripture that God uses them where they are at. He doesn't say, hey, change, hey, become this, and then I can use you. He goes to meet them where they are and asks them to follow him. We see that in the life of Jesus' apostles. We see that when he went to Matthew, to Levi, the tax collector, he didn't say, hey, Matthew, you've got to get your life figured out. You can't keep ripping off my people. And then once you get that figured out, come follow me. No, he says to Matthew, come follow me. He didn't say to, to the four different ones that were out fishing in their boats at different times, he doesn't say, hey, uh, you know what? I know you're fishermen now and and all, but you got to figure out your lives because there's something bigger and better than fishing in your life. God has more for you than fishing. What he says is he goes right to them where they're at and says, follow me. And God does the same for you and I. He meets us right where we're at and he says, follow me. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself um, because what we're looking at today is Easter Sunday and, and what that 
looks like and what it looked like 2,000 years ago. And as we read this morning, we, we see that, that that Sunday morning, Jesus was, in, was expected to be in the tomb, but he was gone. Now, if we look before that, we see that Jesus came to earth with purpose. If you have a note sheet, that's one of the ones there. Jesus came to earth with purpose. If you were to look back into the Old Testament, let me, let me ask a question I already know the answer to, I think. How many of you would prefer to read the Old Testament over the New Testament? That's kind of what I figured. Uh, but the Old Testament is super important. The Old Testament is super important because of the prophecies and the teaching and the base that it gives us as we look ahead to what's in the New Testament, the context of the Old Testament that prepares us for the New Testament. And one of the things that we see is, now it's debated how many promises there were, but, but we see our prophecies, I should say, what we see a variety of prophecies about Jesus' life. And we see, on minimum, the low number is at least 300, and the high number, I think, is 574. I think that's the highest number I've been able to find. But the reality is there were hundreds of things said in the Old Testament about a coming Messiah that Jesus himself fulfilled in his life here on earth. We also see, as we, as we look back uh, on, on his life, that as he fulfilled those prophecies, it wasn't just about, about doing it to check off the box, but it was about Jesus fulfilling his purpose. Now, if I was to ask you what Jesus' purpose was, I would think that, that some of you would have a, a quick answer. I'm going to just go to John 3, 16 and 17 and, and go right from there where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And here's where we get to the, the, the rest of that. It's like, okay, so God sent his Son, Jesus, and it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but here's his purpose, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus so that we could be saved from our sin. That was the purpose that Jesus came for. He came that we could have life. Now, now that sounds good, I hope, but it may sound really simple, okay? You're, it, it just means that now I don't have to die, I can have life. Where is that? What's that look like? Jesus said it a little bit more detail. If you go in a little bit further to, to John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, not only did he come that we could have life, but that we could have life to the fullest. He, his desire wasn't that we were going to follow him and live a miserable life and just kind of go, oh, yay, Jesus, I'm going to get to eternity, but that we would actually experience all that life had to offer, that we would experience the best that life has to offer. And in order for that purpose to be fulfilled, in order that he could do that, he had to die. He had to take on himself the sins of you and I. We see in Romans 5, 8, and 9, it says that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. But that continues on and says, for those of us who have accepted that gift, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Easter is Jesus fulfilling God's purpose here on earth. That's what Easter is. Easter is Jesus fulfilling the purpose that his father had for him. But while Jesus was fulfilling his purpose, we saw in the passage that, that Alan read that the disciples were really struggling because Jesus had come, he had done what he needed to do, but the vision of, of 
what clarity of what they were supposed to do for the apostles and for Jesus' closest friends was to follow Jesus. And Keith made the comment that, that with a lack of purpose, we just end up wandering kind of aimlessly. Well, you've come to that point where their purpose was to follow Jesus. They thought they knew who Jesus was and what he would do, but Jesus is now dead. And, and so now these apostles are like, well, now what? We thought he was the Messiah. He told us he was the Messiah, but, but he's dead. It, it didn't make a whole lot of sense for them. The events of that weekend brought confusion. If you look back at the, the things that we've talked about over the last week, as we look up to Easter, we see things like um, Jesus on, on Maundy Thursday, where the, the disciples are gathered in the upper room with Jesus. And, uh, and then they eat together. He tells them that somebody's going to betray him. And in fact, Later that night, somebody does actually betray him. One of his closest friends turns him over. And the disciples all rallied around him, right? No, no. What ends up happening is they scattered. This purpose that they had of following him, when, when adversity hit, they scattered. They ran their own directions. And as we look through the, through the weekend, we see that Peter... One of Jesus' three closest friends goes from, from fighting for him with a sword to denying he even knew him. We see that, that the only disciple that we can look at and see besides Peter who was, was denying he even knew him that was there at the cross, it, it appears, was John. His closest friends had left. They didn't know what was going on. And as we read, read the passage this morning, we see a group of people trying to figure out which end is up? What's going to happen next? This Messiah who is going to redeem Israel is dead. This person who they had believed was a prophet and a teacher was dead. But Jesus didn't leave them for good, and instead He comes back and He provides a purpose for His apostles. We see that He, he first starts out by meeting His apostles right where they're at. Figuratively and literally. He, he goes to them where they are actually located and, and meets with them. And the first thing he says to them is peace. Peace be with you. In the middle of all of the chaos of what they were experiencing, he says peace. At Christmas, we discussed Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah prophesied of Jesus that one of the things he would be called would be the Prince of Peace. It was the idea he was going to champion peace. He was going to lead into peace. And that peace was, was multi-level. There was a peace that was going to bring, bring peace between God and man through Jesus. There was a peace that said he was going to bring the gospel not only to the Jews, but also to all of the Gentiles, which includes probably most of us. I'm guessing there's not many of us of Jewish descent in this room. And we also see, as he steps into that role of Prince of Peace, that it's peace in the midst of chaos. I don't know what everybody's going through. I don't know what you're all experiencing 
But the reality is Jesus desires to bring peace. He desires to bring peace in the midst of financial struggles. He desires to bring peace in the presence of a a terrible medical diagnosis. He desires to bring peace in the midst of a job loss. He desires to bring peace in the midst of, of a situation where your kids are doing things that you are not happy with. He desires to bring peace in the midst of a marriage issue. This is the Jesus that steps into our messy situations and He stepped into theirs. In the middle of all of the uncertainty and all of the confusion, He brings peace. Jesus is is coming and He's saying peace. And, And you may be thinking... And I wouldn't blame you that that's great that he says he'll bring peace. But, but what about what does that look like practically? Well, in the case of the apostles, part of what that, that looked like practically was them seeing for real that he truly was God, that he truly was Jesus. Notice that he showed them his hands and his side. Because it wasn't enough for him to say, hey, I'm Jesus. Because I, I uh, so I'll step into something completely unrelated. Um, my oldest daughter, Miriam's not here, so I can use her in an illustration. Uh, Miriam, in January, decided she was going to go surprise her boyfriend in New York. Um, her boyfriend's going to West Point, and uh, so she was going out to see him and just kind of surprise him. She had worked it all out with some of his friends, and so much to the chagrin of her mother, Miriam flew in and went and hid in a 7-Eleven at about midnight um, in downtown New York City. And, and uh, her mom was stalking her on 360, if you know what that is, uh, making sure she knew exactly, oh yeah, and her grandmother. They wanted to know exactly where she was at and what she was doing. Well, when, when Weston showed up with his friends, because they had a weekend off, and they were actually able to go hang out in the city, when they showed up, they walked up to, we're walking down the street, and Miriam walked out of the 7-Eleven. It's interesting because the friends catch it on video because they knew what was going to happen. But Weston stares at her like, who are you? And he's processing the whole time, like, and you can just see it in his, his look, like, you look a lot like my girlfriend. I'm in New York, so that can't be. Yet you're walking to me, so maybe I do know you. What is going on? Um, and then the light goes on as she gives him a hug. And, and anyway, he, he kind of like, oh, it is you. Well, so these apostles don't think Jesus should be here. He should be dead. He should not be there with them at that point in time. So when he shows up in the room, there's a question of, okay, but you're dead. So that can't be you, yet you're here. I'm confused. And Jesus, in the middle of that confusion, says, See my hands? See my side? It truly is me. I am here. He had wanted to and desired to go back and bring peace to his apostles and to his closest friends. But it wasn't only to bring peace, he was going to give them their purpose. As he walks in, and, and as we read that last passage today, he says to them, and I'll grab it here, he says to them in that, in that last passage,
passage. Sorry, grab my note. He says, On the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and says, Peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and his side. And they were overjoyed. And then Jesus says, Peace be with you. And then here it is. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, He has given us our purpose. And for the apostles, He gave them their purpose. He says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, He says that His purpose for us, part of that purpose, is to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. The idea is, if we truly know who Jesus is, our purpose, at least part of it, is that we should be out telling others about Jesus. We should be out letting them know what it means to have a relationship with a holy God. That there is God in heaven who loved us so much that He came to earth in the form of Jesus to live the life that we could not live so that He would die the death that we deserve to die so that we could have a relationship with Him. And not only could we have a relationship with holy God, but that we could have confidence that we would be able to to continue in that relationship for all of eternity. Not only would we have that, but we would have peace in the midst of adversity. Not only would we have that, but we would also have hope in the midst of uncertainty. That is the Jesus who came and gave a purpose to us, and He's given us the opportunity to share in that message with other people. There are people around you and I every day who are living a life that is hopeless, that is meaningless, that is without purpose, that is without peace. And we have the answer, but how often do we share that answer? And how often are we content saying, I have it for myself. Let them worry about what they have going for them, themselves. Purpose is a big, big question. There, there's a guy who uh, I've alluded to before as my friend Rick. He's really not my friend Rick. Um, pastor Rick Warren is, was the pastor at Saddleback Church, one of the largest churches in the world. Uh, he wrote a book um, back in 2002 that was called Purpose Driven Life. And, and Purpose Driven Life um, was to address the question that pastors and many other church leaders and many other leaders in general get asked, like, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And the reason I am confident that this is a question that people are continuously asking is because of how many copies of this book has sold. Now, there's that plus how many times I get asked, but how many times this book is sold? So let me ask you a question just for guesses because I went and looked this last week. How many copies of Purpose Driven Life do you think have sold in the last 20 years, 21 years? Give me a guess. Much higher. Exactly. 50 million copies have sold in the last 21 years. It's translated into 137 different languages. Now, if, if people truly didn't care about purpose and what God has us here for, he may have sold 50,000 if his, all of his friends and all of his congregation had bought one. But the reality that there are 50 million people that have bought this book in 137 different languages mean that there's people around the world looking to know, why am I here? What, what reason do I exist? 
And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the answer to that question. And so when you're wondering, do these people even care about Jesus? Or what will they say if I tell them about Jesus? They may not accept it readily. They may not be as excited as you think they should be. And they may be as scared to have that conversation as you are to have it with them. But the reality is, there is a world around us of people who want to know what on earth I am here for. And in, in Easter, what we see is we see Jesus accomplishing His purpose in the Gospel. The good news. We see Jesus coming and providing that hope of a relationship with Him. Out of Easter, we, we see the disciples... We see the disciples that are told to live with purpose. They're told, go, bring the gospel, bring the good news. He, he sent them on that Easter weekend 2,000 years ago. You see, the purpose of Easter is and always has been the gospel. And out of the gospel, you and I can find our purpose. It all starts and ends here. If we want a full and purpose-filled life, it means that we need to have that relationship with Jesus. If we want to experience that rest that He promises for those of us who are tired, He says, follow Him and He will give us rest. You see, Jesus came to earth and addressed the things that keep us from living our purpose. He came to earth and addressed the things that keep us from living in complete relationship with Him. He offers hope to the hopeless. He offers comfort for the hurting. He offers a relationship with a loving God. As, as we look at this relationship with a loving God, I want to challenge you, regardless of where you're at, not to waste your life. If you don't live your life with purpose, you are missing out. But not only that, if you don't live your life with purpose, there's people around you who will miss out. <coughs> For those around you, there are people that need to hear what Jesus has to offer. And for God, He has said, hey, I have, I have sent My Son Jesus that you could have a life, and that you could have that to the fullest. That Jesus brought life out of the tomb. He can bring peace into your life. He can bring hope into your life. He can bring healing into your life. He is who we need. And we're told if, you're, if you are a follower of Jesus that, that His eyes are looking throughout the earth for those who are fully committed to Him so that He can get behind them and work through them to accomplish amazing things for His glory. Let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven, we are so thankful today on this Easter that You came and that You sent Your Son Jesus to live the life that we can't live. We know that, that we are imperfect people, but yet You love us enough and loved us so much that You came to earth and lived the life like what we would live. Only you did it sinlessly and then you died the death that we were condemned to die so that we could have forgiveness and a relationship with you for all of eternity.
God, I don't know right now where every person is at in this room. I don't know what, what different people are experiencing. But I am pretty confident that there are people here who, who need that hope that you provide. God, I pray that on this Easter Sunday that they would see the hope that you provide. That they would see an all-powerful God who could bring life out of a tomb and realize that that all-powerful God is in their corner. I pray, God, for those who are in the middle of chaos and trying to figure out which end is up, God, that they would see You and that they would experience Your peace, a peace that the apostles needed desperately and that You gave a a comfort in the midst of hardship and hard times that only You, God, can provide. And God, for all of us who are followers of You, I pray that we would step into that purpose of sharing You with a world around us. A world around us that that we don't have to watch the media too long, the news too long to see is hurting. That is looking for hope and looking for answers in all the wrong places. A world around us where, where people are crying out for help. Where people are are seeing themselves through a lens that's not the lens of a loving Father. God, I just pray that You would work through us, that we would see life in the world around us, and that there would be people who come to know You personally. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses. If you'd like to learn more about The Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com or email us at office at therescuechurch.com.